If you're looking for a way to be a helper during this time, truly one of the best ways to get involved at Mental Health Association Oklahoma is to make a donation. Anything will help us continue to serve our participants during this difficult time. So visit Mental Health Association Oklahoma's Facebook page and donate on the COVID-19 Relief Fund or go to mhaok.org and hit the donate button at the top of the page. Just remember that hope is a social gift and uh, is something that we can share with each other day to day, moment to moment. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason, and on today's episode, we have Dr. Chan Hellman, who was a keynote speaker on hope during the 2019 Zero Mental Health Symposium. And so Chan is a professor in the Ann and Henry Zero School of Social Work and founding director of the Hope Research Center. He defines hope as the belief that the future will be better and you have the power to make it so. That is so important right now during this time of COVID. And so we invited the most amazing Ashley Gunnels to be on the show today to interview Chan because she's actually a former student of Chan's and probably considers herself still a student of Chan's. So with all that being said, Dr. Chan Hellman, welcome to the Mental Health Download. Well, thank you for uh, letting me come in and visit with you both today. Uh, and Ashley, it's just uh, it's great to see you again. Matt, it's actually great to see you again as well. But uh, uh, it's always good to see uh, former students who have succeeded. So um, even those who haven't succeeded, I guess. <laughs> no. Um, but Can I be anyway. in the succeeded category, though, please? That <laughs> <laughs> made me nervous when you said sure, that. Sure. For this interview, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this is a really difficult time for everybody and probably as important a time for us to remember hope as it's so easy to get caught up in fear and uncertainty. And so, first of all, hope is it's it's not the power of positive thinking. Hope is about taking action to achieve your goals. And so how we define hope is that it is the belief that I have that the future will be better than today and that I have the power to make that so, to make that happen. Um, So hope is about taking action to achieve our future. It's grounded in the goals that we set, but it is really comprised of our ability to develop the mental strategies by which to pursue those goals, and then ultimately be able to um, develop and sustain the motivation or the willpower to pursue those pathways, especially in the presence of adversity. So hope is about goals, pathway, and willpower. Oftentimes people talk about hope uh, when what they mean is a wish. And hope is about action, whereas a wish is passive. So I just want to make sure we distinguish between those two. I did make sure that I did look up that and made sure that I knew that pathways and agency, I did remember pathways and agency. So I think what's interesting right now, Chan, when we think about the pandemic and we think about hope, I think like you said, a lot of people are holding on to the passive, the wish right now. And so if we're thinking about hope in terms of the pandemic, what are like some goals that people should be working on? Because I think a lot of people are working just towards, I mean, making it day to day and surviving this. And so in terms of agency and pathways with hope and the pandemic, what do you think that looks like for maybe all of us as a whole, or maybe what individuals might be looking towards right now with that? 
Sure. So um, I would like to go ahead and acknowledge that, you know, our our experience of fear and uncertainty are, are very normal, very natural reactions. And, you know, so again, this is why it's not the power of positive thinking, you know, that you should just wake up in the morning and be positive. Um, you know, we 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 need to recognize this time of uncertainty and fear. The difficulty is, is when we stay there. Um, when we get hung up in that fear and uh, because fear leads ultimately to desperation and uh, then that desperation sort of leads us to engage in pathways that may be dysfunctional for us or dysfunctional for those around us. So when we think about uh, hope in this time, especially what I would recommend is that we, we really do embrace the short term that we it's it's perfectly okay to think uh, in the long term if that's possible. But if you're if you're feeling anxious and and kind of caught up in that, break it into what do I want to achieve this week? You could even say what do I want to achieve uh, today? What are my goals for today? And then I would recommend either setting down and writing those down for children. I would recommend some sort of visual framework, like a picture, a drawing or, or something, and then to list out those those pathways. So as an example, I usually do laundry uh, on Saturday. And one one approach that I've taken is, is each day I'm going to do a load of laundry. So mm-hmm. uh, today is towels. And and so I know that I can achieve that goal because it's in my control. It's in my power. Yeah. And so that's that's what I would recommend is start finding those things that we have control over and and start there. I agree. I, f- I found myself finding things that are I'm telling myself just do a little bit a day. I know it feels very overwhelming and it feels very you know, like unknown, but I found myself finding like little bitty goals because I like to be able to mentally, even if I don't write them down, mentally mark them off. Like, look what you did today during all this. You're so overwhelmed. I'm, you know, I'm very, very anxious. I tend to have, you know, sometimes I have panic attacks. And so with all this, I've tried really hard to kind of focus on what, like you said, what I can control, even if it is something as small as doing a load of laundry. Like I look what I did and kind of congratulate myself. Like you survived this, you did this and you're, you know, you're going to keep going. And so I think it's good to hear that we're kind of all in this together and that we're all thinking the same way. Well, you know, one of the things that I think we need to also pay attention to is uh, when we start thinking about hope, hope is a social gift. Hope is something that happens in relationships with each other or with others. And during this time of social distancing or social isolation, you know, we've all had to become pretty adept at things like Zoom or Skype or different mm-hmm. video uh, frameworks. But, you know, for, for individuals who don't have access to those, we still have to find ways to connect and to make sure that people aren't in isolation, which mm-hmm. sort of breeds that fear and desperation uh, framework. So one of the things that I've been talking to other organizations and, and different uh, interviews views and and discussions is I think we also really need to pay attention to the hope heroes in our community. And I think these are individuals in our own organization or in our own sort of group of social relationships, uh, individuals who are really coming up with creative and imaginative ways of overcoming these barriers to still either achieve their goals or uh, goals for the organization. And I think we need to really celebrate those. And and not, again, not from the power of positive thinking, but what was the goal? What were the pathways? What was the problem-solving uh, framework? Because our hope heroes are actually modeling hope for you and I. Um, they're showing us 
that in fact, we are going to get through this. And, you know, the important part of that is, is the idea of we, we are going to get through this as a community. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, but we will get through this. Hey, Chan, I have a question. Actually, it's a request. So, Ashley, I want you to um, explain what your role is with Mental Health Association Oklahoma. And then I want you to talk about the virtual move-in you did. Okay. So, I am the Housing Solutions Intake and Referral Coordinator at the association. I've been in this role for almost a year now. It'll be a year this month, and that year flew by. Um, Yes, just two days ago, we moved in someone virtually. Um, It was a virtual move-in. And so, what we did is we did paperwork through a Google Hangouts. We had to... um, figure out how to get furniture when the furniture stores are closed. We had someone that said, you know, I'm going to step up. We're going to make this happen because they need furniture. They need a bed. They need things like that in their apartment. We had a case manager that met with the individual and did some social distancing at the, um, at the Google hangout interview to be able to help them work their paperwork. And then they um, took separate cars to the move in. We were masked up. We were gloved up. I got the welcome basket from um, the Toops family, which donates welcome baskets for anyone new that's moving into our housing. They dropped off stuff and put it in the back of my car. So we didn't have any contact there. I dropped stuff into the apartments. So we didn't have contact there. And it was just really neat to see all these people working together, even though we couldn't come together like we normally do and celebrate this amazing achievement for this person to get into housing. And it's a very emotional time and to not be able to hug or high five or shake hands was very, you could tell was difficult for the participant and especially for me and some of the other ones that were involved. And so when, you know, I was bidding him farewell and he was going into his apartment with his case manager and moving things in, um, he was just unbelievably thankful. You could tell, you could tell that he was smiling, even though he had a mask on. And so it was really neat to see something that we were so worried about come to fruition. And it was pretty seamlessly done. And it was just, we were really, really proud of ourselves. And it was one of those things where we were like, there were the obstacles that we talk about, Shan, when we're talking about hope. And we kind of, I knew it would happen. And we were like, let's keep going and find a different route. And so that was really, really a powerful thing for everyone in the association to see. I think we've told everyone about it because we're just really proud that it happened. And now knowing what to do, we can move forward with some other move-ins. So it was really, a really neat thing to see happen. That's very exciting. And, and again, you know, just listening to that, that story, you know, we see that hope is a social gift, right? And so the hope of that individual and how um, all of these important components came together in new and creative ways, you know, as you said, these different routes or different pathways. What I'd also love to kind of highlight there is kind of a new area that we've been focused on, which is the idea of collective hope. And so, while, you know, you're, you're describing the individual who got to move in and achieved their goal uh, and that individual hope, but to look at an entire community of individuals who come together collectively, who have the collective willpower to overcome these, these barriers. And, you know, it, I don't, I don't want to sort of downplay the pandemic in any, in any fashion, you know, uh, it is scary. It is, it is uncertain. Um, but it's it it really creates this um, what in in psychology we might refer to as a supraordinate goal, which is a goal that really requires everybody coming together in order to overcome. And so that really gives us a great opportunity to begin to nurture this collective hope. 
So great job. That's a great example. Thank you. It was it was neat to see because, um, like you said, everyone, no one said no. Everyone knew there would be hookups and everyone's like, how can we do it? And so it was neat. It was a very collective. Yeah, it was it was a really, really neat time. So I was really proud of everyone. So that's cool to see. One of the things that that example kind of highlights, too, is that, you know, if if we had been caught up in fear of, of, of and let that fear drive us then or drive you all, you know, mm-hmm. that creates sort of an emotional coping response, you know, that that yeah. fear and despair and desperation and and all of that. And yet and let you all came together um, and practice hope from the framework of a problem solving coping strategy, you know, mm-hmm. that here's our goal and we're going to find ways uh, to overcome that and to do so in a, in a manner that, that respects, um, you know, the CDC, the, uh, the mayor, um, yep. you know, your own organization's kind of policies and protecting, uh, staff, um, mm-hmm. and yet in such a heroic fashion, so to speak, um, you all nurtured hope. Great job. Thanks. I had a great professor that taught me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Chan. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is, so you uh, you were a keynote speaker at the Zero Mental Health Symposium last year, um, and you did a phenomenal job. And uh, you actually had sort of, you, we did a Q&A session. And during that Q&A, someone asked a question. Maybe it, it may have even been Mike Bros who was on stage with you. And maybe Mike, I can't remember the specifics, but it led to you telling the story about your time in high school and how hopeless you were. And um, I'm not going to ruin it because I'm going to make you tell that story. Um, <laughs> but it was it was so interesting after that fact, after the fact of the, the symposium, because you basically told the story and then we were out of time and it was like, but wait, I want to hear more. <laughs> um, it would, and so uh, we'll have to have you back at the uh, as a keynote so you can finish your story um, and share more about hope. But what was interesting is that Mike Bros, um, who's known you for many years, even Ashley, other people that I knew um, had never heard that story before. Before you told that story, how many was that a very common story that you told? No, um, no, um, it 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 isn't. Um, and it's not that I'm necessarily, you know, ashamed of it or, or all of that. It's just, um, you know, until I really started getting into this framework of hope, it was just, you know, um, these past experiences that I've put aside and I've, um, you know, moved on from. And yet when I wrote the book, Hope Rising, uh, with my co-author, uh, Casey Gwynn, we both decided, um, that if we're going to talk about hope in the context of trauma and adversity, we really needed to be authentic and tell our own stories. And that was the first time. Um, so just two years ago, I guess now. Um, and so pretty, pretty difficult childhood in that. Uh, let's say, how do I summarize all of this? Um, so basically from uh, seventh grade on and throughout high school, I was homeless most most of the time. A lot of couch surfing, but by and large, you know, homeless. And uh, it was just a really, really difficult period of my life. I uh, sort of adopted a, a belief that I wouldn't live past 25 and so started to kind of behave that way, sort of engaging in risk behaviors that... Um, 
obviously I'm not very proud of, but in retrospect, were so important to my understanding of hope now. And in that time frame, um, actually, it was uh, about eighth grade. I was just really in a dark place and um, was really contemplating uh, suicide um, and even had a had a plan. And so um, on the night that I actually had the plan and had everything uh, set up, I actually reflected on a moment uh, that happened just a few days before uh, that in which my high school teacher, uh, coach, who recognized that some difficult things were going on in my life, came and just sat with me in the gym and literally didn't we didn't have much of a conversation, just sat with me and um, for about five minutes. And at the end of that, he just leaned forward into me and said, you know, you know Chan, you're going to be okay. And anyway, just as I was sort of in that really, really dark place, I, that just came back to me. What it really communicated to me in that moment was that I mattered and kind of got me through that. Um, I will tell you that I I'm, have been in contact with that teacher recently, who's a, a dear friend. And when I told him what had happened, and I think this is the important part of the story, by the way, is uh, when I when I ran into him about a uh, uh, year or so ago, uh, it was at a basketball game back in that community. And I leaned into him kind of much as he leaned into me. And I, you know, kind of got close to him. And I said, you know, you're the reason I'm alive today. And he kind of looked at me. And so I told him the whole story. And this is the part that I love. You know, he just he kind of looked at me and he said, I did what? <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that because that really describes who he is. Uh, that's his character, you know, just um, pouring out himself to students. But the reason I tell that, especially in this context, is because it offered what we refer to as a therapeutic moment. And he's not a therapist. And each of us have these opportunities to have therapeutic moments with those around us. Uh, we don't even recognize it's going to happen or that it has happened, but it is so therapeutic and healing and encouraging for an individual that it's sort of taught me that in this, in this context of hope and the idea that hope is a social gift, wow, we should be, we should be as intentional as possible with those around us and those that we touch. So Anyway, I apologize for taking a long time. Oh, on that, apologize. But, uh, I've, I've been waiting to hear the rest of that story since October um, when you left the stage. <laughs> um, so thank you for sharing that. That is so, uh, so powerful. Ashley, I want to get your response to that story and what that means uh, to you in, in reference to hope. Um, I don't think that you ever told that story in school. I don't remember it. And I don't really think I remember it. So I think I must have blocked it out from the symposium because that just is, that's a great story, but it just kind of makes me sad. Um, <laughs> I have, I get emotional about things. Um, I think what you said, it just kind of really reiterates one of my thoughts with pro like providing hope to others because like, it just like that tiny little moment, he doesn't, to him, it was just like him being him, him telling you that you mattered. He probably did that, did that all day long to other students, just conveying how important everyone is and just doing these little things throughout the day. But that tiny moment stuck out to you. And like you said, it saved your life. And so I think it reminds me of right now when we're working with a population that is, you know, 
they might have been previously experiencing homelessness. They may be experiencing homelessness now. They may have a mental, um, be diagnosed with a mental illness. They may be struggling with substances or any of the um, any of those that I mentioned. And I think right now a lot of um, case managers are struggling with not being able to be one on one with these individuals and providing what they are normally able to provide when we can have that social contact. And I think an important thing to remember, and I think I've told them this, I'm like, just making that phone call and checking on them, even though it may seem like you're not doing much, that right there, letting them know that they matter, letting them know that you care and that you want them to be safe and that you're taking care of yourself right now, I think is such an important thing. And just knowing that a tiny little you know, gesture like that or a few words that reminding someone that they are important is so, so, so very important right now because it's hard to take our day-to-day life away. And when we feel like we're being valuable by doing certain things and taking all that away and only being able to make phone calls, maybe or send a text is hard on a lot of us right now. But just knowing that you are making a difference, I think is a really, really important thing and maybe providing that hope for someone. So thank you You for sharing that, Chan. Well, of course, of course. And thank you for those, those comments. One of the things that, that, um, that I'm absolutely convinced of is that, you know, your case managers that you're referring to, you know, they're all pathways of hope for the clients that they're serving, right? Um, they're, they do have uh, the strategies and the resources um, and the advocacy skills to, to provide a pathway to well-being for, for the clients. And so I've always thought of like the Mental Health Association as a pathway of hope for our, for our state, for our community, you know, because you have goals um, that are tied to the clients and the client well-being and your program services are in fact pathways. And so, you know, I, I just I I actually study what I think you all do, <laughs> you know, in in a nutshell. So so thank you for your work, actually. Wow. Yeah. That is that is amazing. OK, um, so I'm going to I'm going to wrap things up now. Um, I'm going to let Ashley go and cry by herself. I, guys, I, I have to cry. It, I have to I get emotional, but they're good and happy tears and sometimes sad tears. But I got a lot of emotions right now. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this has just been more than I could have ever hoped for. I'm so glad to pair you two together. This um, this conversation has been fascinating. I hope um, lots of people can listen to it and it gives them hope um, that, yes, we will make it through this and there is life after COVID. Um, so um, as we do, Chan, at the end of every podcast, we ask the guests to share a bit of wisdom and to give our rallying cry, which is Mike Bros's rallying cry, which is go do good things. So if you can, um, and we've, we've been kidding that we probably should start saying stay and do good things. Um, <laughs> um, so, so Chan, uh, yes, share a bit of wisdom, say go do good things and we will be done, sir. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you know, the, the wisdom that I want everybody to take away from is, is just remember that hope is a social gift and uh, it is something that we can share with each other day to day, moment to moment. And so as you go out and, and share that gift, go out and do good things and nurture hope. COVID-19 has impacted the people Mental Health Association Oklahoma serves every day. People impacted by mental illness, homelessness, substance use, and justice involvement. And we continue to serve the most vulnerable in our communities, but that's coming with many unexpected expenses. We have established a COVID-19 relief fund to assist us in the emergency services we are providing. 
Help us serve our participants in need of rental assistance, mental health care, food and shelter, and other basic necessities. Go to Mental Health Association Oklahoma's Facebook page to contribute or visit our website at mhaok.org and hit the donate button at the top of the page.